0: What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 126 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Man, don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Share this episode with a friend because it's a great one, man. Today's show, J.E. Skeets joins in, formerly of the starter's same crew. But now, No Dunks Podcast. Go subscribe to No Dunks Podcast. Follow J.E. Skeets on Instagram at J.E. Skeets. That's J-E-S-K-E-E-T-S. You know you can follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. J.E. Skeets, co-host of the No Dunk Podcast. Same crew, uh, but formerly with the starters. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. How you feeling today? I'm great, Andrew. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime, anytime. So as I just stated, you know, formerly with the starters, but you, you actually started podcasting a long time ago. Can you walk us through the journey with you and your crew?
1: Yeah, how, uh, how much time do we have here? Because oh, <laughs> Whatever works for you. Go ahead, man. Deep dive, deep dive. Uh, yeah, deep dive for sure. Um, as you said, we, we've been doing this a long time. We started podcasting uh, as the Basketball Jones, we were called originally. Um, back in 2006. January 2006 is when we started really at the forefront of podcasting, especially sports podcasting. Um, And I I started with Tass and JD, who is both guys, of course, still with the show. Um, And that we did that for three or four years by ourselves, um, sort of doing it as a second job that we weren't being paid for, doing it because we loved it, doing it because um, we thought it could lead to something. We didn't know what at the time. Um, We started to dabble with adding a video element to it um, in about year three, that led to us getting um, a podcasting gig slash television gig with a company called The Score in Canada. Uh, We were all based in Toronto at the time because we met in school up there. And that was really cool. And and we got uh, some experience with television and continued to do the podcast, did that for a couple of years. And then around 2013, MBA TV um, came a knocking and said, Hey, would you guys be interested in taking this show from toronto down here to atlanta and making a daily television show and by this point we had Matty o in the mix and we had the bearded one trey kirby and we had the ozzy lee ellis and we said yeah let's do that let's try and do that let's try and make a daily television show so in 2013 we came down here to atlanta did that for six years um, obviously pumped out a ton of content continued to do the podcast throughout this whole time and then just recently um, we, you know, didn't re-sign our next contract with NBA TV. They were going in a different direction. So luckily, uh, the Athletic was interested in bringing us on to podcast full time. Um, and now we are no dunks. So we went from the Basketball Jones really to the starters to now no dunks, uh, with the Athletic still podcasting daily, uh, about the NBA and, uh, it's really full circle. It's, uh, really how we started, back in 06. And now we're being paid um, to do it with the athletic and and loving every minute of it. So that's a hopefully wasn't too long and too rambling sort of a synopsis of uh, how we got into this.
0: No, that's great. I thought I started early in uh, 2017. (laughs) 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 But um, look, so I really want to know is like the transition from podcasting to NBA TV from a creative point of view. Did it was it like the same feeling the same vibe from podcasting to go to TV?
1: Well, no, honestly, um, we were sort of naive enough to think that it would be pretty flawless. And in fact, I remember when we went down, we were like, oh, well, we'll just take the daily podcast and we'll just make it a TV show. And it'll be so simple. And, you know, we'll kill two birds with one stone. And it didn't take long to figure out that that's sort of not really possible, not in the way that we wanted to do it, um, because it sort of felt like on one one hand, we you know the, the podcast itself was diminished a little bit because we were now focusing on a visual element of television, and then we weren't leaning fully into that visual element with TV because we still sort of had this podcast vibe. You know long story short, it just didn't work. And we were like, if we want to do both of these as well as we think we can, they have to be sort of two separate entities, which is why we kept the podcast um, and really did that, focused on that like twice a week, kept sort of a free-flowing, you know long form podcast going. Um, generally Friday we would have the drop podcast and we still do. And then we would have one during the week be it a Twitter show or just a second drop, we ended up calling it, but yeah. And then we had to focus on television because it's just a different beast. Um, and we started doing an hour of television at NBA TV. That was a killer. I mean, that is just a, that's a heavy, heavy workload, um, day in and day out. And we found that we were just having to put too many things in that maybe really weren't all that entertaining um, or, you know, maybe we weren't all that inspired about. So that again was hurting the product. So we got it down. We went to Vegas to do summer league uh, live shows and that was a real revelation. Just the, they were, they were quicker. They were, you know, a 30 minute show. So really 22 minutes of television. Right. And we could just focus on, you know, the big topics or things that we were into. We could have a lot more fun and the energy was higher and, along with NBA TV, sort of when we came back from Vegas, they were like, you know what, maybe this should be a half hour show. And uh, that's sort of then where we took it. And yeah, it's uh, you know, I, I like to think we got better over time. We did it for a long time, but it's just a different beast. So many people need to be involved in the creation of a television show. You know, obviously all the, all the people up in the studio, uh, sorry, on the studio floor and then up in the booth, making it happen up there. It just so many working people and working parts and so much time that has to go into 22 minutes. It's, it's sort of mind boggling, especially when you compare it to a podcast, which, you know, we've done this so long that it's, it's sort of second nature. I mean, yeah, we, we plan a little bit where we're going to go with the podcast, but that takes, you know, an hour or two of our time compared to a television show, a 22 minute, you know, television show, which would take sometimes eight or nine hours just to uh, try and execute. So yeah, they're just two different mediums, obviously, and just two different beasts. So were you podcasting all the way through the six years with NBA TV or no? Yeah, yeah, we were. We actually were never, yeah, we were never, um, we were never paid to podcast. I mean, we were paid to make a television show, but we thought it was important. We thought it was important just because of um, how we had built our fan base and how much we enjoyed it as well, that we didn't want that to die. So we told NBA TV like, hey, you got to at least hook us up with like sort of a bootleg studio um, (laughs) and we can at least sit down here you know once or twice a week and and still continue to do the podcast. So we did that. The other part is we would rip the audio from our television show and load that up yeah. into our podcast feed, but it's not really the same. Most people were listening to the, you know, exclusive podcast.
0: When you guys m- got to NBA TV, was there obviously the reason why you guys were so successful cuz you were relatable to fans, it was light. Um by the way, I think why TikTok is so great right now is cuz it's light, it's fun, and I think yeah. it was the same thing with you guys, you know, light, fun. Um, but the thing that separated you from the rest of NBA TV was that you guys weren't former professional players. Um, was there any backlash from the players that were now in the media, the media, the fans? Was there any backlash?
1: Um, yeah, there was. It was uh, it was weird when we first got to NBA TV because, yeah, all of these former athletes that are there and on television, they were like, who the hell are these guys? I mean, what what is their story? Um, <laughs> Why right. do they have a show? <laughs> what? Wait, hold on hold on. There are a couple of Canadians and there's an Aussie, and like, what do they possibly know? So it and but you know, I think to our credit, we didn't come in and pretend like to be by any means any big shots. We were right. sort of just put our head down, got to work because we were learning a lot of things on the fly. We had done television up in Canada, but nothing to the extent of what we were going to be trying to pull off in NBA TV doing the tailie show. So. Uh, a, a daily uh, and a live show at that. I, I should have pointed out. So, uh, you know, it didn't, I, I would say for the first couple of weeks, maybe a month or two. Yeah. There was definitely some, some like, you know, rolling of the eyes at from the other athletes and people that were maybe down there at the studio um, at the company, but I don't think it took too long for them to be like, Oh, okay. This is this is their vibe. These guys know their stuff. Um, they obviously have a lot of fun doing it. They're not malicious by any means. They're not making fun of the NBA. If anything, they're just making fun of themselves. Um, and they're just trying to come at this from a different angle than, than a former athlete just talking on, on television. So it very quickly turned into, who are these guys? What the hell is their story? To, oh, how do I get on this show? That looks like a lot of fun. Um, and so that was pretty neat to see that turn, you know, again, pretty quickly um just the respect factor i guess from from some of these former legends that you know we obviously admired as basketball fans but were then sort of becoming colleagues it was pretty cool yeah, it wasn't so fun
0: getting the wedgie from Shaq, though, right, Jay? Was it? Was no. It? <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I will. I will forever be asked about that, and uh, you know, I'm sure maybe some listeners to your show uh, know what you're talking about. If you haven't, just type in uh, Shaq gives Skeets a wedgie, and it's going to be the first thing that pops up. But that was, you know, it, so Shaq is obviously he's Shaquille O'Neal. He's one of the craziest characters probably on the planet because he's Shaq. I mean, he just does whatever he wants and the, the way that sort of came about was Shaq, I guess, you know, we were like always open to having any of these guys on our show. Right. 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 Of course. Any, any players that were coming through Atlanta to play the Hawks and we're in studio. Oh, of course. Yes. We'd love to have them on any of these, uh, you know, former athletes that were on NBA TV or Turner. Hey, anytime we can get Kevin McHale, anytime we can get Isaiah, whatever. Yeah. We're game. Like, why not? That's, that's fun to us. So Shaq just, um, Jack goes at his own schedule. Right. And there suddenly turned up like a day or two before that show that he was open to coming on. Cause we had asked a million times, you know, he had been busy. He wasn't there whatever. It had never come about. And then he was like, yeah, I can do it. And he's like, what are we doing? And then we were like, you know what, let's not just have him sit down and talk basketball. He does that all the time. Like, let's get a little more creative. And so because we have this thing to pick and pay off, um, you know, we usually do silly things on air, like guys have to do something humiliating or whatever. So we got that whole thing where we count wedgies when the ball gets stuck between the backboard and the rim. You guys, coined, we, you guys we, coined that term. We didn't coin it. Uh, we like to give credit to former Clippers play-by-play man uh, Ralph Lawler. He was okay. the first to say it, and we heard okay. it on a broadcast, and we were like, "That's hilarious." Um, we obviously. Brought it into popularity. There's no doubt about that because we would point out every single NBA wedgie that ever happened in the league and we would always put it on the show. And so we were in a drought, I remember, where we just didn't have a lot of wedgies happening in the NBA. And we always had this weird goal to get to 50, and that would be a successful season. It was just an arbitrary number that we picked, um, which actually ended up being a pretty good number because it's like sort of difficult to get to 50 wedgies on a season, but it's like attainable. Anyway, we had Shaq coming in, we were like, I, I don't know. I honestly think it was my idea, but I said something like, wouldn't it be funny if we like in, we were like did a weird thing where we wanted to make a sacrifice to the wedgie gods and Shaq would give a real wedgie to one of us. And everybody's like, yeah, that's sort of funny. And like just the visual, right, of 300-pound, like right. seven-foot guy. It's good content. Good content. Yeah, it's good content. So the next part was, though, well, who's going to get the wedgie? Like, no one was offering to get the wedgie by any Yeah, I, I
0: like, saw, how, I saw that, how that happened. And I, yeah. thought you, I thought you would have the advantage. I guess not.
1: <laughs> yeah, so right. We drew straws, and I held the straws. And it was the simple game of whoever draws the short straw gets the wedgie from Shaq. And none of this was planned in advance. It was live. I'm holding the straws. I have no idea which one is the short one. And sure enough, uh, the, three, the other three guys, you know, in, in Tasley and, JD, or and T- uh, Trey – they picked their straws and, yep, they lifted me off the ground and ripped my underwear, and, uh, yeah, I'm still, still feeling that one. Um,
0: so, look, man, uh, J.E., I was actually playing basketball the other day in the gym. Uh, I go down to the locker room, TV's on, I find out David's Stern pass. I was shocked, and my friend told me, he's like, you know he was pretty sick, right? I'm like, I don't know, just something about it. I'm just shocked, you know? Such a big part of childhood, seeing him up there um, when everybody was drafted. His legacy is something that will never be duplicated. Uh, was a big part of WNBA, the D-League. The team's value have jumped so high. Like when he started, it was what, like 5 million team? Now it's in the billions. Um, how will you remember David Stern?
1: Uh, I mean, a lot of that stuff you just listed, just basically as a visionary, I think. Um, and, you know, like you, I'm sure I've been reading all the obituaries and columns right. on them. It's been really cool to, uh, you know, I liked uh, my favorite column, especially there's been some on The Athletic. I love the ones that are like first person, like their experience with yeah. Stern. Um, I think those are the coolest. And yeah, it's just like, there's no doubt this guy, uh, he was a bulldog, right? I mean, he wasn't right. messed with, um, but I think everyone I read, it keeps coming back to the idea of, yeah, he may have been a hard ass at times. Yeah. Maybe you didn't disagree with some of the decisions he made and stuff like that. But at his, at his core, he always had the NBA's interest um, you know, at the top of the list in growing the game and popularizing it and helping the players, making every, of course, everyone money. I mean, that's what they want to do. The owners want to make money. The players want to make money. Um, and he, he really leaned into that. And uh, it's, it's uh, you're right. It was pretty wild that he passed. He hadn't been of course doing well for the last three or four weeks um, when he had the brain hemorrhage and rushed to the hospital and had the surgery. And I, I was getting a little worried. I, I didn't feel like we were hearing the updates from right. that that maybe one would want to hear so maybe I wasn't you know super shocked that he uh, ultimately passed at 77 but yeah just that just uh it, this this guy had uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the right ideas of uh, um sort of how to popularize the game both in the states and uh and then globally um and knocked it out of the park uh, more times uh than not
0: for sure rest in peace David Stern uh he changed the game and the game continues to change um Jay, how far away do you feel we are from the NBA signing a deal with a YouTube or a Facebook or a Netflix and just streaming these games? Because, you know, the under 30 crowd, that's how they consume content. Do you feel that's in the immediate future or in the future at all?
1: Yeah. I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about it. It's something uh, with the next collective bargaining agreement and then obviously TV deals coming up and stuff like that. Uh, that idea that, yeah, that why couldn't a lot of this stuff be streamed on those platforms that you're um, – that you mentioned. I don't see, I don't see why not, especially with the way Commissioner Silver and the league appears to always try and be at least um, one or two steps ahead of some of the other leagues when it comes to digital rights and using social media to, um, to, the, to grow the game. I mean, even just, I remember I've been doing this for so long that even just the idea of the NBA allowing, you know, YouTube creators or, you know, Twitter accounts to post videos, um, you know, really illegally. I mean, they don't own the video rights. That's the MBAs, but you know, they obviously saw that it was beneficial for someone to be posting a slam dunk on Twitter. And then that's shared thousands of times and there's more eyeballs on it and stuff like that. Like they get it like, yeah, maybe we're not making money off that, but that is in theory growing the game and that's uh, for the greater good. So yeah, I think, um, I don't look, I don't know the answer. Um, it's always going to come down to dollars and, and still whether these, you know, your, your ESPNs and your turners are, are still going to see value in live television, in, in live sports. I would assume they do. Um, but there's no doubt some of those, some of those, you know, unorthodox, I guess, uh, to call them streaming services will, will want to get in the game. It's just whether or not they'll have the money to do so.
0: Right. Uh, let's shift to LeBron James. Uh, i know you're not a betting man unless it's for punishments but <laughs> if you if you were uh would you bet on lebron and his son Bronny actually playing in the nba at the same time
1: oh 100 percent. i would really? i'm i mean i'm all in i've been on that one for a couple of years i know trey kirby's brought it up uh, a couple of times on our podcast on no wow. doubt as well i i really really believe that will happen um because one look lebron still looks incredible Um, he's like, it's, you know, he's still an MVP candidate for crying out loud here, uh, in his 17th season. So you can't right now look at him and say, I mean, yeah, he's maybe not going to be at this level, but he's still probably going to be better than, you know, a guy like Vince Carter at 41. I just don't see why not, uh, especially with the amount of money and time and effort he puts into his body. And I think, I do think, you know, him chasing Kareem's scoring record, is possibly something he has maybe circled there as a possibility. And you're going to need a good, you know, four or five, six years to do that. And, and I think he does like this concept of possibly playing with his son um, were he to make the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I honestly would, I would truly put money on that. You know, I, I think that's more likely to happen than not, that they play at the same time in the same, you know, league. And probably it's up to LeBron at that point. He's going to be like, yeah, let me go and play with that team. Uh, where my son is he can make it happen
0: yeah I mean I think LeBron will play to 41 so it really depends on if Bronny will be an NBA player if he's even a borderline NBA player he'll probably get in you know
1: sure Uh, yeah that's exactly right now is he gonna be yeah that's that's right I don't think I'm not expecting Bronny Jr and look I'm not following his game closely or whatever I think they play
0: tonight actually Think, okay. Yeah, on TV. Well, there you go. We we need to tune in.
1: <laughs> but Look, I don't know if he's going to be by any means a, a lottery pick or a top five pick, but you can't tell me, uh, for publicity reasons alone, that, that kid is not, you know, going to be in the NBA, uh, if he wants to, you know, of course to continue to play professional basketball, I think that's, that's going to happen. So he's either going to be drafted, you know, late or signed eventually to a team and, and, and Bronny, LeBron and Bronny jr. are going to, uh, they're going to they're gonna team up for an Lup at some point. I, I'm, I'm Put me down. I'll put 100 bucks on that one.
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. All right. Um, so I've been struggling with this one, actually staying on LeBron James. What's more impressive to you? Luka Doncic in his second year doing what he's doing or the season that LeBron is putting together in his 17th year?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. What's more impressive? I mean, I guess I'm going to go Luka. Yeah, I think um, so. Because Luka I, – I, look, look, I don't think – everybody would have assumed Luca was going to get better I mean look second year players get better that just yeah I mean it almost happens across the board especially as talented as rookie as he was and which is why I always get upset when people want to make a case for a second year player to win most improved it's like yeah they all improve that's what that's what happens um but you know still that jump that he has made like into the legit conversation for MVP, to have the Mavs, you know, as a recording this at the fifth seed, I mean, that's something special. And, uh, you know, obviously he's a walking highlight too. That doesn't hurt. So just him taking, taking control of the Mavericks and helping them have one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen. And he's, he's obviously upped his usage rate, but he's kept his efficiency. And, and uh, that's, that's pretty special for, for a guy – his age. Now, look, some people are going to say, yeah, but he was playing obviously, you know, in professional leagues over in Europe. So he's got some experience. That's all true. But I think that's still more impressive than, and maybe that's me just like getting used to LeBron, just doing this year, year in and year out as well. Um, I don't want to like just overlook that by any means. Cause what, what he's doing is, is pretty special, special too at his age, but put me down for the dunk doing what he's doing.
0: Yeah, no. So what's been on my mind a lot is uh, Doug Collins recent comment and, Uh, He feels the post-up doesn't have value in today's NBA. And for his team, I think he's absolutely correct. I don't think that holds true for every team. What say you?
1: Yeah. Uh, um, yeah Rick Carlisle with the Mavericks right with the whole Porzingis yeah. thing um, and you know that's like and like the reason that all came about was because you had Shaq oh I said
0: Doug Collins Rick Carlisle yeah. my fault yeah what no, am I doing that's all right
1: <laughs> I knew who you were talking about um, but that's because we had like Shaq and Barkley on TNT these NBA old heads these legends no doubt but these guys saying oh that guy's seven foot three get him down on the block go to work throw your weight around and then Rick Carlisle was fighting back with that like what are you talking about?" Like. This is not your NBA this is not the NBA of the 90s you know Barkley, where you can back up for 20 seconds um, and and you know throw your boost around and put a guy into the net we're doing quite well we have the greatest offense right now in history when it terms yeah. of offensive rating working with our seven foot three guy out on the perimeter you know obviously opening up things for guys like Luca and and stretching the floor and being able to take a lot of threes and hit them pretty consistently like that's working so I think what you were saying is right. I don't think it's like the post-up is going to go away entirely. But Rick Carlisle's not wrong in today's NBA that it's, it's just, quite frankly, not that inefficient a shot. Um, yeah. It truly isn't, even though it sounds weird to say that when you're like, what, why wouldn't a shot, you know, three feet from the net, maybe with a defender between you, not be – I hear what he's saying – um, I think I think Shaq and, and Chuck are going a little too far of like, just because you're big means you should be down there. No, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, you know, Porzingis can shoot it with the best of anyone, really. It doesn't matter the size in the league. So, yeah, it's um, it's been fascinating to watch this, you know, obviously this three-point revolution not only go from Curry and doing what he was doing and the guards doing it to now the big guys doing it. And you can't even really play in today's NBA. There's not many spots for guys that can't at least step out there and keep a defense honest by at least looking to shoot it and shooting with, you know, some confidence from three. It, there's not a lot of um, minutes for guys that can't do that in today's game.
0: I'd say you're correct, except if you're like a rim-running rim protector. Then yeah. you don't Then you don't actually need a three-point shot. But if you can add the three-point shot on top of it, you become like a Porzingis or I even like Jaron Jackson Jr., yep. guys like that, because I could do all three of those. With then you're elite, you know?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a weapon you... Really need to have in your arsenal again. Like right. I don't think anybody's asking every guy out there to shoot ten threes a game and to right, shoot right. at forty percent, but you gotta be able to. I mean, otherwise, what happens is you know you can just leave a guy on the floor. You don't have to worry about it, and that comes a lot easier for the defense to have five guys to play against four. Right. I mean, this is we've seen this time and time again, especially in playoff series when when you can get a little more uh, creative with who you just completely leave, but. No, you are right. There, are still, there is still a position there for those guys that set a high pick and roll to the rim and can clean up the glass and obviously can play some defense. Um, it's just I don't think you need to do the old Dwight Howard where you force feed it to those guys. Not at so all. They can, so they can get some couple touches on the block when it's not all that efficient.
0: Yeah, it definitely stops the flow. And to your point, when your guard can't shoot it, can't hit a three in the playoffs, it puts you, it puts your whole team at a tremendous disadvantage.
1: That's true. That's true. And look, to like, I mean, I know we're playing pickup ball and all that, but like, there is nothing I love more. Like, I'm not a big guy. I'm like five eleven. I weigh weigh like a buck fifty. I mean, I'm fast. But I <laughs> a ton. So I love when I'm playing pickup ball and. You know the guy that I'm guarding is bigger, let's say, or whatever sees me as, you know, okay, this guy's nothing. I can take him into the post and do some work. But you know that maybe that's not that person's game, and they're not comfortable down there in the block. Like that, like kills the offense for the other team. It's like,
0: yeah, it, it like, sure.
1: it's, it's, it's good. I like, I love it when they do that. Like one, okay, I'm gonna try and hold my own anyway. But like, this isn't good. Like this is not good offense. Um, you know, you just trying to go on the block, backing down, and like the rest of your team. It's just sitting there. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I love when that
0: happens. Yeah, clogs, driving, lanes, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Speaking of the three-point shot, Daryl Morey recently uh, stated that he thinks the three-point attempts are going to actually go up. Do you feel like that's a problem for the league or do you like where it's going? And if, if you do feel it's a problem, what would be something that would fix that problem? I don't know. Take away the corner three or
1: whatever you might have. Yeah. That. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about that. You're right. I think that's an obvious one. I'm not sure how I truly feel about it. I don't think right now to me, it's that big a deal. I get it. Like, uh, I, I don't love it. I don't love every, what feels like every second possession being a three point shot. I guess I don't also hate it. <laughs> it was, you know, so, to, to sit squarely on the fence here. Um, I get excited. Like when we just had this heat Raptors game, it was a very ugly game in terms of scoring, but I was loving it because, you know, you had a bunch of zone defense happening.
0: Yeah. I've been seeing it more in the league lately. I've been seeing it. Totally.
1: And I think a big part of that is, you know, because of obviously a, a bunch of shooters out there and everybody capable of firing three pointers and trying to just keep everybody on a string moving around. But on defense I I just liked it because it was it was unique especially how much the heat went to it in that game versus the Raptors they played it for nearly an entire game and you just do not see that in the NBA so I mean I don't know like I guess if you're really against it yeah you get rid of you get rid of those corner threes that that hurts that
0: hurts spacing though I feel
1: it does yeah yeah it, it does um I just don't know if this is still an issue it's like what's the problem – the only reason we're getting more three-point attempts is all of these guys can now hit three-pointers. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. The, well, that's part of the reason why the value of a post-up is is not as good as it used to be because we the players just shoot so much better from three now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and that's it. I mean, that's just the skill they've added, all, big guys included, of course. Um, but, you know, do you start getting a little crazier? Do you start pushing back the three-point line or adding a four-point line? Like. I, I don't know what the answer is, I guess I just don't still have an issue with the way the game's being played. I like look, I remember <laughs> I remember the the games in the nineties, man. It's like, yeah, it was fun. there was a lot of physicality, no doubt, okay, I'm on board for that, but it also was ugly. It was not a pretty game, okay. You can't convince me it was um right, so you know there it's. It was a dog fight, man. So you know, a lot of free throws and just a lot, lot, not a lot of ball movement and stuff like uh, that. Yeah,
0: I like the game better now. I think it's it flows so do better. I. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's been reported by actually by friend of the show Corey Homicide Williams, who's an MBA MBL analyst out in Australia, former MBL MVP. He actually, almost made your Toronto Raptors, who was really close to making it. Uh, for all the listeners, you can check him out on episode 100 of Combos Court. He reported that. LaMelo Ball was offered $100 million in a private jet by a sneaker company. What are your thoughts, J.E.? Hey,
1: get that money. (laughs) I mean, I I guess you – I mean, my mind, if it's true, um, I guess my mind immediately goes to, wow, that screams sort of like a number one pick type of guy right there, right? I mean, you're – like that shoe company, uh, an unnamed shoe company, definitely uh, pretty confident that a guy like him would be going. Uh, I assume number one, and if not, he's going very high, and they're pretty confident that he's gonna kill it at the next level. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> hey, look, get, hey, get that money, get that plane, continue to give as much as you possibly can to all the uh, you know volunteer firefighters in Australia doing their best um, to to keep that country um, running. But yeah, I get. I look. I don't know. I haven't been following his game all that closely in the NBL. The highlights I see solid. Yeah. Um, I know it's going to be a weird draft. People are saying, cause there are a lot of injuries to some of the top guys. So it's a, yeah, uh, it's, it's
0: also weird. Cause James Wiseman hardly played. It, yeah. It's really weird. And you got yeah. guys in Australia
1: in in the, in the modern NBA,
0: would you have some hesitation on taking a big as the number one pick?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah I would. I, agree. I mean, um, I, depending on their skill set, of course, I yeah think uh i for sure i would i i like it's tough not I know it's just because it's recently happened, but it is tough not to look at like a DeAndre Ayton and compare him to a Luka and a trey young i mean oh, yeah, not that well, DeAndre, I, well yeah, I tried well, to tell
0: I tried to tell everybody who to draft Jay, but whatever they didn't listen to me, you know you were <laughs> team you,
1: you were team Lucas, oh.
0: Yeah, I, I told everybody this guy's going to be the best player of the draft. And they hear me say this every episode. So my listeners are sick of hearing
1: me. <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough. Hey, kudos to you. Like, I am, like, I do not follow um, college ball that closely. I'm like, all my focus is on the NBA. Um, and I just can't keep up with it. And Right, right. I don't, I don't pretend to be a draft expert. We never have on our show. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people like yourself um, saying, yeah, yeah, maybe you should uh, go with Luca here. Um, yeah and yeah, look, and trade's turned
0: done. out great so Kudos oh yeah, Trey, yeah. That,
1: that's exactly right i mean he looks like uh, looks like a star in the making as well and again deandre Ayton, not bad i mean no no not bad not bad i think he's gonna be a very very solid player but it's just you know you someone's got to get the ball to deandre Ayton, whereas the guards they have it man it's uh, they they run it um it that's that's the, the huge difference between you know drafting a guard or a wing type player compared to a big man
0: Right. So I listened to the podcast that you were on with on Zach Noble's pod. He's actually been on mine before four seasons. Uh you were you were pretty high on the Clippers preseason to win it all. Do
1: you feel the same way now? Yeah, I guess my opinion hasn't changed that much. I okay. mean, um, I the Clippers are doing like the ultimate slow play right now. Like they appear to me to be a team that's like, we don't care at all about this regular season. Don't yeah. know? You know, yeah. they, and a lot of injuries have come into play. Of course, you know Paul George at the beginning. You've had Shaman out. You know, you um, with load management and all that. Um, but that they're like and now Beverly, they're they're cool with this though. I mean, I think they're they're convinced that when fully loaded, they could beat any team on any night anywhere. So I don't even think they're worried about you know chasing like a number one seed by any means. Like like they. I, Look, if they play the Bucks in the finals anyway, the Bucks are going to have the number one seed overall anyway. So they're they're a confident bunch. So no, my opinion has not changed. I'm still high on them. I think they're great. Um, obviously deep, well coached. I saw firsthand as a Raptors fan what the hell Kawhi Leonard can do—just single-handedly win you, you know, quarters, halves, and games, yeah. and yeah. series at that. So I'm still a believer. Lakers have surprised me defensively at the start of the season, especially. Um, and and the Bucs are Bucks are the Bucks, but they. You know, no one's going to care until the Bucks, you know, go far in the playoffs. And that's just the way it is right now. And that's, that's, how, it should,
0: that's how it should be.
1: And that's how it should be. And that's yeah. something I saw, again, to speak from before the championship, before the move for Kawhi, it was like, hey, Raptors, they're a good team. They're a good regular season team. They win 50 games. Oh, Lowry, DeRozan, yeah, man. Great on both ends of the floor. But couldn't get it done, really, when it came to the playoffs, for the most part, coming up short and running into LeBron all the time. So until the Bucks, you know – Go far until the Bucks get to basically the finals. I I don't I think losing even, I would argue losing in an Eastern Conference final series would be a disappointment for the Bucks. Oh, but, for
0: sure. And I think yeah, they will. I think the Sixers will come out. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: yeah. It's a possible they're they're a, they're a sort of a matchup nightmare, so to speak, for the Bucks. No doubt. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. They got a lot of bodies to throw Giannis for sure.
1: Yeah. That that's yeah. right. So, uh, but yeah, to go back to like the initial question, yeah, I think yeah. I still have the Clippers sort of, you know, at the at the top, but. I'm with, I like, I liked all these other teams, like Bucks and Sixers. Like I wouldn't be surprised with like five different teams, you know, winning a title this year, which is fun.
0: For sure. For sure. All right. Uh, It was great having you on J.E. You're always welcome back on the show, but before you go, where can we find you?
1: Uh, Yeah. Hit me up on Twitter at J.E. Skeets. Same goes for Instagram. Uh, The no dunks podcast is at no dunks Inc. That's I N C. You can find us on Twitter. You can use the hashtag no dunks. We're on the athletic too. We post all our podcasts um, are ad free on the athletic and highly recommend your listeners. You know, if they, if they haven't already subscribed to the athletic, I mean, there really are some of the best NBA writers in the world. Uh, It does all sports by the way, but I focus on the NBA and they got some of the best guys in the world, you know, basically for every team, get a really, really good stuff from them. So you can, you can get a 40% off discount too. If you want, go to the athletic.com slash no dunks and you can get that, but otherwise hit me up at JD Skeets on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Dope. Jay, are we, are we seeing you on TV again soon? I
1: don't know. You know, I got to be honest. I'm loving the podcast game right now. Okay, okay. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with the guys. Uh, you know, again, I think, I think six years of daily television started to take a, its toll a little bit. Um, okay. So it's been fun to, like, do the daily podcast uh, with no dunks. And then we've been, like, sprinkling in some other fun things. We're doing interviews when we can. Um, I feel teacher- like, yeah,
0: I feel like your college lifestyle is like extended for like 20 years after college. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, it's, it's, it's fun, but we're doing like special squad episodes where we draft things and nice. I've done, I've, I've started this whole trivia sort of series. So it's been fun to like have a little bit more time in the day to work with. Um, right. Right. Cause I, Cause I was, as I was saying off the top, like just making a TV show, takes a hell of a lot of time and a hell of a lot of planning so it's been cool to use a little bit more of those hours to to do stuff like this coming on the on combos here and and uh yeah and do, creative you know, juices you know, are
0: flowing things. the creative juices yeah are flowing. yeah but, but
1: look to, to answer <laughs> your question i mean I, I i i'm not i'm not counting it out by any means
0: got you got doing,
1: you uh, doing more television so we'll see uh, but who knows i'm getting too old now Who knows?
0: <laughs> <laughs> great to have you on jay you're always welcome back on the show talk soon thanks a lot man anytime There it is. Episode 126 of Combo's Court is in the books. Big shouts to JE for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, man. Combo Nation. I would greatly appreciate it if you let me know how you feel about this episode right in the comments section of your Apple Podcast app. Get that done for me. Leave a five-star rating as well. Also, check out the Combos Court Patreon page if you'd like to support the podcast even further. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Be on the lookout for episode one, two, seven. Combo out.